0: Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of The Hope Machine from Asthma UK and the British Lung Foundation. Once again, we're going to be peering through the microscope at some of the amazing research projects that are bringing real hope to people with lung conditions across the UK. We're going to be meeting Dr. Catherine Fawcett, who's looking into the fascinating world of asthma genetics. She'll be talking to us about whether our DNA could contain clues about whether or not we're more likely to develop asthma, and whether tweaking that DNA could help improve things for people. We're also going to be talking to Dr. Aaron Scott, who's researching e-cigarettes. He's going to find out whether their benefits for quitting smoking outweigh the risks they pose for people with COPD. We really hope you enjoy today's episode. Please do remember we are a charity and so we can only fund fantastic research projects like this through the very generous donations of people like you. If you feel able to make a donation to our research appeal today, there is a link in the description below this episode. And now without further ado, I will hand over to Ian Gerald who is with our first researcher.
1: Hi Kath, thank you very much indeed for joining us today to tell us about your research. Um, before we talk about your research, I just wanted to ask you a few questions so we can get to know you a little bit better. First of all, what do you think you would have been if you hadn't been involved in medicine and research?
2: Right, well, I think when I was a child there were there were lots of things I wanted to be. Um, My sort of dream job probably would have been something in the performing arts, so an actor or something like that. But more realistically, probably a writer or a teacher.
1: Okay, so quite a lot of creative stuff in there. Um, And I think what's interesting is a lot of people think that research is not a creative field, but I would argue against that. And I would say there's a lot of creativity in research to come up with new ideas, new approaches and so on. Can you now tell us something that you're either really good at or something that you're really bad at?
2: (laughs) It's probably easier to find something I'm really bad at but (laughs) um, I'm not sure I'm good at this anymore but I I used to be quite good at singing, I
1: was in lots of choirs. Aside from curing diseases like asthma what would your superpower be?
2: Um, So I'm quite a big fan of the Harry Potter books and there is one skill that they have um, I think it's um I'm trying to remember what they call it now but basically you can disappear and appear in another place instantly I would like to be able to do that because I don't have a car and therefore getting to places is quite difficult for me.
1: <laughs> okay so let's let's move on and talk about your research now um so you're exploring the fascinating world of genetics and asthma um can you tell us how much do we know already about whether someone's DNA can determine whether they're more at risk of developing asthma. What what do we know about that?
2: So we know that asthma, like a lot of other diseases, has a genetic component. Um, So that's to say um, changes in your, or differences in your DNA sequence that we call um, genetic variations or variants um, can um, increase or decrease your risk of developing asthma. So there's been lots of genetic studies Um, on asthma already, where we we have identified um, genetic variations that um, affect your risk of developing asthma. Um, And the real sort of promise of this field is that you can then use that information to understand more about the biology of asthma um, and therefore um, to uh, inform drug development, development of new therapies. But there's lots um, lots of genes that have been linked to asthma already um, and they tend to be, for example, involved in things like the immune response. Um, and so, yes, we do have some information
1: already, but there's lots still to do. So would it be fair to say that we we know to some extent if you have certain versions of certain genes, you will be at higher risk of developing asthma. But there's a lot of other genetic effects that we just don't understand and understand how they're contributing to development of asthma. Is that right?
2: That's exactly right. And it's also probably important to point out that, you um, We can't sort of look at someone's DNA and say you will definitely get asthma and you definitely won't. Asthma is a really complex um, set of conditions Um, and so it's not only sort of genetic risk factors that impact your risk of developing asthma but also environmental risk factors as well like air pollution Um, and so it will be a complex interplay of all these factors and how they interact with each other. Um, So I'm not trying to predict who will develop asthma Um, The goal of my research is to understand the biology of asthma better
1: and to help develop um, treatments. And so in in your particular study, which the, um, well, which Asthma UK and the British Lung Foundation are supporting, so you're looking essentially at finding new clues in our DNA that will help us understand asthma better. What in particular are are you looking at in your study?
2: As I said, there have been a lot of genetic studies of asthma already, Um, But those genetic studies have tended to focus on particular types of genetic variation, Um, in particular, a type called single nucleotide variations, um, which are actually just single letter changes in the DNA sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are other types of genetic variation, including um, a type called structural variation, which um, affects larger segments of the DNA sequence, but Uh, Its effects on asthma and many other diseases has been understudied because partly because the technology hasn't really been there before to study those kinds of changes. Mm. Uh, So um, the goal of my project is to understand the role of these big structural variants um, in asthma um, and to use that information then um, to identify more genes and proteins that are involved in the disease and um, hopefully inform the development of new treatments.
1: Great. That sounds amazing. Um, I guess one of the big challenges in doing this kinds of research is that I guess you need to access a lot of data. So you need thousands of people's DNA sequences to study to make sure that any conclusions that you draw from the work is that they're, they're accurate and that they are statistically representative of the real picture in people. So, you know, how hard is it to, to get your hands on that kind of amount of data?
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. You need um, very large sample sizes for this kind of study because um, genetic risk factors for common complex diseases like asthma um, actually have very small effects on risk. And so you need large numbers to detect them. It it can be quite difficult to access those large amounts of data. But I'm really indebted to um, large uh, biobank studies like the UK Biobank, um, which is the main one I'm using. Um, I don't know how aware people will be of UK Biobank, but um, it's uh, a large um, population-based study of um, half a million people in the UK, and these are volunteer participants who have um, gone to these uh, assessment centres, filled out questionnaires, um, given blood samples, done various tests, um, reported their medical history, and so on. So we have a huge amount of data on these individuals um, and also um, the, uh, you know, wealth of genetic data that we have on them. uh, And that enables this kind of study to take place.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And it's great to see that, you know, that resource is being used by researchers to ask questions that matter, basically, that are going to help change people's lives. And that brings me on to my next question, which is kind of thinking about, you know how this will help people so at the end of your research what difference do you think this could mean to people with asthma eventually even if it's not the day after your study ends but you know what are you aiming for I guess
2: Uh, as you kind of implied um this is quite fundamental research so you don't tend to see the benefits immediately um but um the hope is that by identifying new genes and proteins that we can link causally link to developing asthma Um, that we'll be able to identify not only potentially new drug targets for the development of new drugs, but also identify where maybe existing drugs can be repurposed because the drug development process is a very long-winded one and takes a long time. um, I guess usually for fundamental research like this, you wouldn't see those kind of benefits for another at least five to 10 years, I suppose. Um, But the hope would be that um, this research would lead to new treatments. And I guess the other The other thing to mention is that um, I think one of your previous interviewees (laughs) on here mentioned that asthma is actually an umbrella term for a lot of different diseases. Um, And it might be that not all treatments are appropriate to each of those subtypes of asthma. Um, And so another promise of genetic studies is to try and identify what the underlying genetic mechanisms are um, for different subtypes of asthma and therefore inform precision precision medicine. where we can try and target the right treatments at the right groups of patients. Uh, yeah. So
1: yeah, that, that would be um, the, the hope. Well, thanks so much, Kath. That, that was really um, insightful and interesting and really paints this picture of how this could help people who are living with asthma. So thanks so much for spending time with us.
0: Pleasure. Big thanks to Ian and Dr. Fawcett sounds like there are so many possibilities for developing new and personalized treatments for people with asthma. If you're enjoying this episode so far, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Before we hand over to our next researcher, here's Naomi Bennett from Asthma UK and the British Lung Foundation with
3: something I bet you didn't know. I bet you didn't know that we're helping tech developers to listen to people with lung conditions, To make sure that the solutions created really meet their priorities first. We think that the key to creating life-changing innovations is to put the person at the centre and to make sure that their voice and insight is heard at every single stage in the design process. We're making this easier by going out ourselves and asking people with lung conditions how they manage their condition, what's helpful to them and what influences their behaviour. We recently joined forces with Public Health England to learn about people with asthma. We asked how they use their inhalers, where they go to find information when they need it, and what technology they like using in their day-to-day life. We're hoping that tech developers will take that information and turn it into tools that allow people with asthma to manage their condition in a way that's better and suits them. We want to do this for the whole spectrum of lung diseases, so that every single person that we support gets access to new, better and easier ways to manage their condition and live a healthy life.
1: Well, hi, Aaron. Thanks very much for joining us today to talk about your research. Um, Before we do that, I just wanted to ask you a few questions so we can get to know you better. What would you have been if you hadn't been involved in medicine and research? Uh, I think I probably
4: would have been a boxer. Uh, I did a lot of boxing when I was younger um, and uh, I I did quite well but I, I decided that being in the lab was a much safer activity.
1: Tell us something that you're either really good at or something that you're really bad at.
4: I have something that I'm really good at and also is not a good thing. I'm really good at focusing, uh, which a lot of scientists are. I'm really good at focusing on one specific activity, at the exclusion of everything else, to the point where hours will go by and I will completely lose track of time. And I realised that uh, back in reality, four hours have passed. And they call it scientist time.
1: You know, aside from you know being able to cure COPD, of course, what would your superpower be?
4: I would love to be able to read the speed that you might have seen from like an android and Star- on Star Trek. Yeah, I I spend my life reading lots of things, reviewing lots of things, and I find that I never have enough time to, to read things because one of my major hobbies when I'm not in the lab and trying to relax is reading sci-fi books. And therefore, I'm always reading something, but I
1: never have enough time to get through them all. You're looking into the relationship between cigarette smoking and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD and... Can you tell us a bit about what COPD is and how cigarette smoking fits in?
4: COPD is a, a term, uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Uh, not all patients have exactly the same symptoms. Um, they're all characterised by airflow obstruction, so obstruction of the airways. Um, but they do share some characteristics and it ties them all together. And that's this um, inflammatory signal. It generates uh, an immune response, which actually does harm to your body. And we're not 100% sure what what starts this and why not everyone who smokes gets COPD. But something that nearly everyone with
1: COPD has in common is that they were
4: ex-smokers
1: or remain current smokers. So your study that Asthma UK and the British Lung Foundation are supporting is looking at the impact of electronic cigarettes in particular on people with COPD who smoke. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
4: Cigarette smoking is intricately tied to uh, the initiation of CUPD in these people. Um, and my research has been looking at not just at the mechanism of how this begins and how this uh, makes the disease worse if you continue to smoke, but ways in which we can try and intervene, ways in which we can slow down the progression of disease and try and restore the normal function of those important airway immune cells. Our research, looking at the effect of cigarette smoke on those cells just in the lab, and then compared with human studies we have done have shown, shown that effect and shown that there are certain things we can do to try and try and uh, improve that function, but there's no way yet in which we can reverse that. So it's very,
1: very important that we continue looking at the underlying causes. You know, we know that cigarette smoking is the main risk factor for COPD and that some people after diagnosis do continue to smoke tobacco cigarettes. So we need to help people stop. And it, it we, we also know that giving up smoking cigarettes is extremely difficult. So anything we can do to give people options to help them quit will be a good thing. But as you've alluded to, electronic cigarettes are controversial. There's a lot that we don't understand about them, but there's definitely in the right instance, some benefits that that they can bring to helping people to quit cigarette smoking. So do you think that at the end of your study, you'll be able to provide some clarity on this crucial question of whether the benefits of using e-cigarettes to stop smoking tobacco cigarettes outweigh any potential risks of longer-term damage if people do continue to smoke e-cigarettes when they have COPD. Do you think you'll be able to answer that?
4: Uh, Ordinarily from a standalone study I think the answer to that would be no but we have a unique opportunity here to combine a, a clinical trial A a large clinical trial, we're going to have over 1,250 patients, and that's our our minimum target. We're going to look at the the mechanisms that underpin the disease and how the e-cigarette will affect it. And combined with the clinical trial, I can't think of a larger study in COPD patients in smoking cessation. There's been a few very small ones that have not been very powerful and they've not been able to answer it. But combining these two studies, we will actually be able to say there is either a benefit or there is not. We'll be able to say it's good... We, it may it may not be black and white. It may be that, yes, there is a small signal of harm, but by comparison, it vastly outweighs the effect of smoking, and therefore it's definitely a benefit, but there will be an answer at the
1: end of this. You know, it sounds like this work will, will really give us very sort of practical guidance and, um, you know, hopefully have a real impact for people who are, you know, affected by COPD. Um, how soon do you think that you'll have the results and How soon do you think people with COPD might be able to see some benefit from this work?
4: I think before we have a definitive answer, it's going to be three years, because an important uh, important thing about doing respiratory research is a snapshot doesn't tell you very much. So you can't just take a snapshot of how your lungs are now and every COPD patient will be intricately aware of this. They'll have done tests to see how well their lungs are doing. And that will have to be followed up over time. Once we have those results, we'll be able to, we already have plans in place on how we would disseminate those results. Whenever that data needs to be passed to policymakers, we can then affect the policymakers so that they can make those changes that are needed. But we think there's a lot of hope there and we're going to continue to pursue that so that we can
1: eventually make that difference. Right. And I think that's a really important point because... You know, this is how research then changes policy, which changes lives. You know, here we see this direct link between the results of research and how that eventually will change things for people, which is which is a great thing to, to remember. Well, thanks so much, Aaron, for spending some time to talk to us about your work. Um, I wish you every success and good luck with the work over the next few years. And we're really looking forward to hearing more as it progresses and hearing the results. So, yeah, thanks again and good luck.
0: Thanks for the chat today. It's very good. Thanks Ian and Dr. Scott. It sounds like your work is going to offer some really practical help for people living with COPD. And thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to support more amazing research projects like the ones you've heard about today, please do consider making a donation if you can. There's more information in the description of this episode, or you can go to asthma.org.uk forward slash hope machine to make a donation and support our work. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of The Hope Machine. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.